Do you know a healthcare hero? Someone who fights for better care for their families, their friends, or their community? The New York Alliance for Healthcare Justice wants to honor them and you with a pair of tickets to celebrate the 30th anniversary of Summer Jam at UBS Arena on June 2nd. Visit hot97.com slash NYH Justice to enter to win. Must be 18 or older to enter. Made hot by the New York Alliance for Healthcare Justice. From around the way to around the world, the epicenter of hip-hop culture. No doubt, kid. W-Q-H-T. New York. Hot 97. Rich across the world with no color line. It's all about unity and hip-hop, y'all. Representing unity for music. Hot 97, where hip-hop rules the world. Representing the BX. Brooklyn's finest, you be wineless. Hot 97. No drinks, boys. No drinks. Me about some of this, crazy. It's live. We the champions. You heard Michael it. Michael Jackson. <laughs> we live. King of rap, the king of pop. Holla. Turned out crazy. Biggie Vent, twenty thousand. We rock you bastards. As always, you heard. Holla. Well done, much. Well done, much. Well done, much. Well done, much. Welcome to Summer Jam Through the Years. I'm your host, Laura Styles. Last episode, we talked about Hot 97 becoming New York's first hip-hop station and the very first Summer Jam in 1994. On today's episode, we're moving to the opposite side of Manhattan and fast-forwarding seven years to 2001. Real hip-hop fans already know this as the Michael Jackson year. But today, we're giving you an inside look into how the biggest Summer Jam surprise of them all came to be. Before we jump into the king of pop, allow us to set the Summer Jam stage. The 2001 Summer Jam lineup was loaded. It had Destiny's Child, Eve, Ja Rule, Jadakiss, R. Kelly, Ludacris, Outkast, Nelly, and Jay-Z. From 94 to 01, the lineup drastically changed along with the sound of hip-hop. Heavy hitter DJ and Hot 97 personality DJ Enough explains that shift. I mean, hip-hop in 94, 95 was more grittier, a little bit more boom bapish. Once we start getting to around 99, 2000, I mean, it's right off the cusp and it's right off the end of the mixtape era where a lot of, you know, in the, in the early 90s, a lot of mixtape music was, was, was being promoted heavily. And around 99, 2000, that's like right off the end of just the G-Unit mixtapes were popping at those times. 50 Cent came out of mixtapes. Like our very own K-Slay was making incredible mixtapes mix back then. It was just a mixtape frenzy. Like, that was the time, to me, of the mixtape era, you know? Like, and then it was towards the end of it, you know? Like, not to say that it was over because it went from cassettes to CDs, but the music was changing, and it was changing fast. And it was for the first time that music also left the city and started to become popular outside the city. You know, other, other genres of music, you know, whether it was from Houston, Dallas, Miami, Virginia... You know, Texas, it was just other cities that were bubbling with music also. From mixtapes to CDs, from Arrested Development to Outcast, and from one side of Manhattan to the other, 2001 was the year Summer Jam moved from the Brendan Byrne Arena in East Rutherford, New Jersey, to Nassau Coliseum in Long Island, New York. Summer Jam producer Carl Freed explains why. By 1995-6, we were selling out literally in less than 10 minutes. The show, the bomb would go off, we'd sell out like that. And the show 
got the audience just became much more passionate about having to see all of their favorite acts on one stage at one time. And by 2000, which was when I brought most of Up in Smoke, and then we added some Rough Riders acts on top of that, and the show was way too big for the arena. As far as it, the demand was just crazy. And that was the year that we had some helicopter activity, SWAT teams, because... People came without tickets to New Jersey and kind of created a lot of havoc in the parking lot, which, and I completely understand their perspective, the people who ran the arena um, asked us not to come back in 2001. And that's why in 2001, we went to Nassau Coliseum. So we had to take a break from New Jersey and we went to Long Island. And um, smaller arena, but a little bit more challenging to get to for a lot of our fans because it's pretty far east in Long Island. And so it it had a completely different vibe for that year. Um, And we had Jay-Z and we just we all have now seen that video that's been uncovered, which is still kind of amazing to me that it took that long. To uncover it. The footage that Carl is referring to is the full video of Jay-Z bringing out Michael Jackson as a surprise at Summer Jam. The video surfaced on April 12, 2022, nearly 21 full years after the fact. Listen to the joy of the voices of me and my co-host Ibra and Rosenberg on air at Hot 97 the very next day. Honestly, we could not believe that someone had this footage. The Jay-Z 2001 Summer Jam video become a available for the first time in 20 years I, I realize that as much as we have talked about this moment because video didn't exist it's actually been undersold how great it was it was better than i ever yo i assume i knew it was crazy i knew prodigy on the summer jam screen yep. i knew michael jackson okay yeah. we know that but as the years went on details kind of were removed like, over time, people forgot. They just remember the highlights. Right, I, right, right. The, the level to which he's at in that moment. Yo, just hit the button. We didn't know enough. Congratulations. You played well, you didn't have you didn't have you didn't have we visual didn't have evidence proof. and that you know the storytelling is great. People telling stories is great. But visual proof Yo. of how great it actually was. Yeah, because we all pick up different things from different, you know, pieces of uh like videos that we see. And we've heard people, it was almost like a, you know, like all these tales from like, remember right. when I was there. But everybody misses like important chunks. Yo, you know what I mean? So like, or, 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 or just things are are uh, things that are People have different things they find important. That's what course, I'm trying to say. Of course, of course. Yes, yes, that's a great point. So last <laughs> night, last night, you know, my girl's young. She, her knowledge of it, she knows, she knows all the words to take over. She doesn't understand necessarily the summer jam, that specific moment like that. And I'm like, we watched it on, you know, you can share uh, screens on, on YouTube, on uh, iPhones now. So I shared the screen and we just watched the whole thing. Yo, when Missy came out on Is That Your Chick? Crazy. We were like, oh, I didn't know. Missy came out. I know. When, when he brings out EPMD and then Eric does music, when, right when that song was on fire. Like, I didn't realize not only did he body everyone the way he did, but he also really started the beginning of what a true summer jam you bring everyone out moment was, too. 
That's right. Like it's it's all in there. I also didn't know. Maybe you guys did. I did not know how long the delay on him bringing Michael out was. Oh, yeah. It took a minute, right? It took a Yo, minute. Maybe three minutes. Maybe three minutes. Well, I'm saying oh. a minute like in yeah, a generic term, but it took it was it was definitely like, wait, what's happening right now? Good thing we spoke to hip hop historian Ralph McDaniels, who was on stage at Summer Jam 2001 and was one of the few people who knew Michael Jackson was coming to Nassau Coliseum. Um, Yeah, the uh, Summer Jam 2001. I was uh, I was on stage. I think we came out like because I worked weekends at some at um, Hot ninety seven, and so I think we came out early, introduced some acts, and then I was doing uh, interviews at the Step and Repeat, you know, for Video Music Box, and um, just interviewing artists after they came off stage, asking them how their experience was at Summer Jam and what have you. Tracy Clardy, who was program director at the time, was like, you know, it was clear to the staff that you know, Michael Jackson was coming and that, you know, this is going to be crazy. So everybody, you know, be ready and stand down, you know, whatever it is that we needed to do. Tracy put out our orders. And then, um, you know, I remember Michael Jackson pulling into the uh, arena, you know, right behind the stage, you know, the SUV pulls in and it was clearly, you know, everybody stopped and, you know, whoever needed to go over and talk to his management was there. I had my camera ready to to, to, to to take Michael Jackson. And Tracy ran over and said, Ralph, put that camera away. If he's gonna get nervous and he's gonna leave. You're gonna make him leave, you know? And I was like this, like, okay. And, um, and so, you know, I just was just standing on the side. And I remember seeing a couple of people walking around. I remember seeing EPMD was there for some reason. Maybe they performed that day, I'm not sure. Um, I remember seeing Steve Stout walking around from, you know, advertising, you know, hip hop guru. Um, and I just was like waiting and I could hear Jay-Z on stage. And um, and it and it got to the point where they stopped. So there was a point where it was like, okay, we got a special guest because the audience had no idea that Michael Jackson was gonna come on stage. I think that was probably the last thing that they might've thought about, but other people who might've known Today, this is possible because Jay has a record. I mean, Michael has a record featuring Jay Z on, and so you know, Michael was outside talking for a long time outside the SUV backstage, and I I knew the music stopped on stage, and I was like, okay, like this is dead space right now. Like, what's about to happen? You know, like something has to happen now, and it just. It went on for like, it seemed like a while. And then he starts saying, because he says, he, if you guys haven't seen it yet, he says, uh, you know, Michael Jackson's here. I'm going to bring out Michael Jackson. The crowd starts cheering. He doesn't come out. He, he uh, w- w- Michael Jackson, uh, oh, y'all think I'm playing. He, they think I'm playing. They think I'm playing. And by that point, it's gone so long that there's no way if you're there, you must You actually think, think it's Michael Jackson. No chance. Right. No. And then he says, they I'm were like, oh, man, must be some dude from around the way, Michael Jackson, we ain't ever met before. He's a new rapper. Yeah. New right. rapper named Michael Jackson signed to the rock. Because we're at Nassau Coliseum in 2001 right. when Michael is pretty damn scarce. That It's just not happening. You know, and they were kind of like, you know, ad-libbing on stage, trying to keep the audience in the mix because Jay had a powerful show. It was a great show. You know, the musical guests on that show were incredible. And um, and they're talking and they're up there and I'm looking at Michael and they're still, Michael's over with his people and they're laughing and joking around in the background. And I'm like, okay, so when is Michael going to go to the stage? <laughs> and so 
eventually I see the move, the movement towards the stage. And Michael was really, you know, just like, okay, I'm here at the concert. What do I got to do? You know, and they walked him up. And I think once he got to the stage and realized how many people, I mean, he probably could tell it was a lot of people, but when he got to the stage, so how many, like, this is not like a R&B concert. This is summer jam. You got a hundred, 200 people on stage already, just Rockefeller people. So I think that probably was like, oh, overwhelming to him. And then, you know, he has to get through the, like, this is a real hip hop show. Like, this is not, you know, I don't know, whatever he had done before. This was hip hop. This was people bumping around. This is New York. Nobody cares. Michael Jackson, whatever, you know, and he comes, comes through the crowd and Jay and Michael walk out on stage and Michael stands there in a, in a circle of Rockefeller friends, family, artists, and their duels. And he just stands in the middle of the stage <laughs> to lead Hove into playing then the Michael Jackson sampled H to the Izzo. It's, it's better than I ever could have imagined. And then, you know, the, the cameras pick up on him. And that's when I start shooting because there's too many people on stage. I, there's no way I can get through that crowd with security and everything else. So I just shot the, the big screens. And you see some of that on the big screens um, on my shot. And Michael just, you know, just stood there. He didn't say anything. He just looked. And the crowd, I think it took them a second to realize that it was Michael Jackson. And they were like, oh, shit, that's Michael Jackson. <laughs> and, and so the crowd went crazy. I love you very much. Healthcare hero? Someone who fights for better care for their families, their friends, or their community? The New York Alliance for Healthcare Justice wants to honor them and you with a pair of tickets to celebrate the 30th anniversary of Summer Jam at UBS Arena on June 2nd. Visit hot97.com slash NYH Justice to enter to win. Must be 18 or older to enter. Made hot by the New York Alliance for Healthcare Justice. And, and, you know, and Jay, you know, he, he did his Michael Jackson impression and just stood there and they just stood there and looked at the crowd. And um, I, I never fully processed. I did know this, but I didn't process it that he's playing takeover for the first time ever. No one's ever heard it. The album doesn't come out for three months. He says the album's coming out on stage. He says September 25th. Blueprint, ended up of course, September 11th. Right, it ended up on 9-11. I don't know why, what the story is there. But I didn't think about that since it's the first time ever he's doing TakeOver. The crowd's listening to every word. He enunciates so clear that when he says, astronauts, you don't want it with hope. They've never heard that before. And they go crazy like they knew it. Facts. It's it's wild. And it was... um. It was one of those moments that if you're like a hip hop historian, you realize how important this is, especially with two icons like this coming together. Um, you know, hip hop crowd, especially New York, knew that Jay was, you know, amazing artist and he had so many, you know, accolades and, you know, we just, you know, revered him in such a high standard and Hot 97 was so much a part of his career that all of this happens in the same space and then, the king of pop comes in and connects with him 
And it was just an amazing moment. And I think that I don't even know how long they were on the stage. It didn't seem like it was that long. But I think that they stood on stage for a little while. Um, and, and then, you know, I remember Michael coming back out. And I was still standing in the same location. I was standing inside, like halfway between in the arena and out of the arena. <laughs> like there was like a line. And I watched him come off the stage and I watched him go back and get in the black SUVs. And and then I said, I got to get to Jay-Z. And then I ran to get backstage so I could catch Jay-Z coming off the stage when he came off the stage um, from the performance. So, yeah. Aside from the footage that was released in April 2022, Ralph McDaniels was one of the few people on Earth with footage of Summer Jam 01, as well as one of the only people that knew Michael Jackson would be at Summer Jam before he hit the stage. Let DJ Enough explain the nature of Summer Jam surprises. And the most incredible thing, I'm going to keep it to be, I'm going to keep it very honest. I'm proud of the station because back then, the station would never give us wind of who's coming and what's happening. So the actual employees of the radio station would be just as excited as the fans would. Maybe one or two people knew, maybe in the programming department, but that's it. The majority of the rest of the staff did not know anything. You would hear whispers like, you know, Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson. what? You're like, what? And you, but no one, would, no one would, would confirm it, you know? So th those were always exciting things too because... You heard somebody say it, but nobody gave you a confirmation. And just a bunch of people running up and down with walkie-talkies and earpieces. And you're, you're trying to figure out what's happening. In fact, the man who produced Summer Jam 2001, Carl Freed, told Hot 97 in-house reporter Jason Peters that he had no idea either. I interviewed DJ Enough. Yeah. And he said he had absolutely no idea about the Michael Jackson. That makes two of us. Zero. So you who was in charge I of it. I had zero idea. Yeah. So how did you have zero idea? Where does that come from? I think if I had to say you need to interview Tracy Clority, um, I think she was behind that or had some... She definitely will know much more than I do about how that happened. Um, there's sometimes, especially even now in 2022... There are surprise guests that I will have no idea about because the guests are the guest of the artist who we have booked for the show. So if um, Lil Baby brings out somebody, that's going to be a, most often it'll be a surprise to me. Sometimes one of the guys who runs the stage, and I have to say Randy Bazelli, who has worked with me on Summer Jam since the first one, um, and he was one of the guys from Phoenix Music Group that all started in the beginning. Um, um, sometimes Randy will say, oh, just want to let you know, so-and-so's on this person's guest list. So then uh, that's how I find out. Um, <laughs> and uh, that's, that is what makes Summer Jam so special is, this, is the surprise guests. Speaking of surprises, Destiny's Child was in for quite a surprise when they stepped onto the Summer Jam stage. Here's Ralph McDaniels. Yeah, Destiny's Child got booed that night. And, and I don't know why it was kind of, I think Destiny's Child kind of for a second was in the like Whitney Houston kind of zone where they were like so pop that Urban didn't care about them. And I don't think it really had anything to do with them. I think it was just, I think that it was just like they had become so pop that it was like, nah, this ain't hip hop. Boo, boo. You know, yeah, I remember that. 
Yeah. According to DJ Enough, Destiny's Child getting booed stemmed from a mix-up at the 2001 NBA All-Star Game when the group wore Lakers jerseys to perform in Philadelphia. When they got booed? Yes. Yes, I remember that. That was beca- that, But that only happened because it happened on TV. You know, like, I think they got booed at, during the All-Star Game because I, I think they had the wrong jerseys on or something like that. That's what started it. So then... When they got to Summer Jam, it just re, it just kind of reignited the booing. I don't think nobody specifically wanted to boo them just to boo them. It was a thing at the time. Hey, look, Summer Jam is tough. You know, if you're not coming out there and talking the talk and hitting them with the right beats and the right, you know, because it's not necessarily about the songs that you have out. A lot of times people come in, especially at a radio station show, and they just kind of like play the track and do their song, you know, like generic. Like, Summer Jam is different. You got to touch it in a different way. You know, you got to really, like, where Brooklyn at? You know, you got to hit them with all of that kind of vibe, you know, and just let them know that this is personally, like, you know them. If you don't come out there in that way, I've seen a lot of artists, big artists, get no reaction, you know, at Summer Jam. So, you know, just just treat it like it's special, you know, when you come to New York. <laughs> Life was just different for B&J back in 2001. 20 years ago, Beyonce was booed by the Summer Jam crowd. And according to DJ Bugsy Bugs, back in the early 2000s, Hove was trying to turn a corner as a live performer. And Summer Jam 2001 was a turning point. Because prior to that that year, Jay's shows are pretty. The, the, the songs were great. He was good. But the show itself was was boring. So when he started going at people on that stage, it kind of it was the highlight of the moment because no one had actually ever seen him that animated on stage before. So it brought a whole new kind of energy. And Michael Jackson, mind you, Michael Jackson and Prince were two guys who made their made their bones by being mysterious. Well, you know, when hip hop became the thing, no longer could you no longer could be successful being mysterious because the majority of the hip hop artists were in the neighborhood, right? They were people that you might be walking next to in a bodega or the guys that might be sitting next to you at a ball game or somebody that you knew from going to school with them because the the the, the audience then and the artists were damn near the same age, except for the younger kids. So, you know, with 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 hip hop being now becoming the main music genre, the, those artists were starting to realize, damn, I got to get around the people, which is what I'm sure Michael Jackson's appearance at Summer Jam was all about. And, you know, he had been getting sliced up with all his accusations and stuff too. So this kind of gave him some credibility, you know, and, and the song with Jay on the hook, you know, Rock My World gave him even more credibility. But I think that Michael saw it for what it was and, and understood it. Um, we have this thing about Michael being uh, the Peter, the, you know, the Peter Cottontail kind of guy, you know, Peter Pan and all that. But Michael was a shrewd businessman. Um, he he spoke like that, but when you really talk to Michael, Michael's like, hey man, you know, he he really he really was. So you know, I think that he knew what it was, and I think that he understood the importance of being on the stage with a Jay Z and in front of that audience. Um, I used to have debates with some folks that would say, you know. And hot, um, yo man, don't we need to play this new Michael Jackson? And the lady would say, No, you know, the hood don't care about Michael Jackson. I said, I don't know what kind of effing hood you live in. 
I said, but the projects love Michael Jackson still. He may not seem like it to you, and that night it was proven. Back to Ralph McDaniels, talking with Hot 97 reporter Jason Peters. I mean, Missy Elliott show and Jay-Z was crazy. That was that was bananas. I remember clearly Missy uh, Memphis Bleak, is that that's your chick? I remember that when they got and they did that song. That was that was a um, that was pretty hot, you know. And Missy is just an amazing artist, um, and you know, and and she's actually to me she's better artist performing wise than Jay Z, and so she just brought that swag to it, and that really just uplifted Jay's performance. People interviewed for this, I believe, Bugsy Bug said that uh, Jay-Z, before 2001, his stage presence wasn't all there, and this was kind of a turning point. Absolutely. You know, um, I wasn't there, but I've heard that, you know, they went out, I think he went on the um, the Bad Boy tour, and it didn't work out, and it wasn't, like, he wasn't living up to whatever they thought he was supposed to live up to, and people, there was always, they sent him home or something. I don't know if that's true or not, but I've heard something like that. But... Um, but this here, he, I think it was a combination of him also, his music, his persona was being understood, you know, at this point by the, by 2001. And so that helped out in, he, look, he's not going to be Puff Daddy, you know, he's not going to be Nas, you know, he's not going to be Notorious B.I.G. He's Jay and he is who he is. And people just had to get comfortable with who that was. And I think New York was always fine with it. Maybe in other cities, they wanted him to, you know, jump around, but like Jay ain't doing that. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't see, I don't like there's videos of like Kanye in a full sprint. I don't even think I've ever seen Jay-Z run. <laughs> yeah. He yeah, doesn't, no, he doesn't accelerate. He's not going to accelerate. Yeah, nah, nah, nah. It'll be a, a a smooth swag to, to the stage, but that's about it. <laughs> Ralph had the chance to interview Jay-Z after Summer Jam 2001. But if you watch the interview, Jay refuses to say anything. And his Rock Nation friends and label mates spoke for him. <laughs> Tell me about Summer Jam 2001. Crazy. It's live. We the champions. You heard Michael it. Jackson. <laughs> we live. King of rap, rap the king of pop. Holla. Turned out crazy. Yeah. Big event, 20,000. It's we the rock, you bastards. As always, you heard Holla! We don't do much. Summer Jam 2001, man. How was it for you, man? We don't do much. <laughs> we right here. Big celebration as always, man. We don't do much. That's it. It's a wrap. <laughs> we out here. Jigga Man. Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. Zab. Okay. <laughs> right here. All day. It's just the beginning. It's about to be crazy. Jay-Z's refusal to talk in that backstage footage you just heard was a topic of conversation and conspiracy. Ralph explains. And then the stories of what happened backstage began to spread in all types of different ways. Millions of people have watched that footage. And there are, you know, at least 100,000 different ideas of what is going on at that particular time. And throughout, for a long time, Nobody realized that that was my mic that's there. It says video music box clearly on it. And I'm going back and forth. And people didn't realize that's Ralph McDaniels talking to him. And then people were like, wait a minute. How come nobody asked me? Nobody asked me what really happened. <laughs> well, tell us what really happened. No. Um... Well, you know what it is? And, and I recently had a conversation with, with Jay-Z. And, um, 
And I said, you know, have, I said, Jay, you've seen the comments about that particular night. And he's like, yeah, I've seen it before. I've, I've seen the hundreds of different things. It was the end of the Rockefeller. This was whatever. And this and that. it wasn't that at all. And what happened is that we came off stage. I walked in the dressing room with him. The whole Rockefeller and friends and cousins and family came into the, the dressing room. I think the overwhelm Jay was overwhelmed by what had just happened. Because you see, people see the last the moment when it happens, but it took a while to get to lead up to get Michael Jackson to come and get on stage with you. Like this Michael Jackson, this just not, you know, anybody, you know. And I guess all of that and then the come down, you know, because you're up and then the come down was what you saw in Jay-Z. And he said to me, give me a second. He says, let me get my head together. So I said, all right, when we got into the dressing room. And so like an hour went by and I was like, yo, you know, cause he was the last act. We've been at, at the venue since 11 a.m. We've been there for 13 hours already. You know, I got my other camera crew outside waiting for me. In fact, they don't even know where I went. I just started walking with Jay-Z. Only if, if they, a couple of guys saw me. So Jay goes, give me a second. So finally he goes, all right, I'm not going to talk. I said, what? He said, let everybody else talk. And I was like, what are you talking about, bro? Like, you have to, I just need a, a, a bite, a sound. <laughs> like, just tell me something. And he said, I'm not going to talk. Let everybody else talk. So if you look at the footage, he's going like, this he's just he's doing this thing like he's pointing to different people pointing to dame dash he's pointing to memphis bleak he's pointing to freeway he's pointing to beanie siegel he's pointing to uh whoever oh zab judah the boxer was there whoever was there he's telling them let them talk and he does this kind of like thing with his hands so people are like oh he's throwing up gang signs in 2021 that's what they thought it was they thought it was gang sign and i was like no it wasn't gang sign so i asked jay i said why in your own, you, you seem, you know, can you tell me in your own words why you didn't talk? And he said, I was overwhelmed. He says, I was just like, I was, I couldn't even talk. It was like literally couldn't, I couldn't get my words together. I was just so over the top. And um, he said, I couldn't get the words out. And I, I didn't want to say nothing stupid. So I said, let everybody else talk. <laughs> it was that simple. <laughs> no, and that and that makes perfect sense because a lot of people listening to this in 2022 are think are going to be thinking about like billionaire Beyonce, Jay Z, not regular regular dude from Brooklyn. Yeah. He was overwhelmed, and I'm pretty sure that many people have been in that type of situation where they couldn't get the words out, you know, because they just felt so good. You know, it was overjoyed. It's like, you know, it's like sports, you know, some dudes, they win the championship. They can't even get the words out, you know what I'm saying? And he felt like, we you know, we won, we won, we won tonight. Not just Jay-Z won that night, all of hip hop won that night. Summer Jam 2001 was a moment in pop culture history that helped uplift the genre entirely into the mainstream. From 1994 to 2001, the names of the artists at Summer Jam turned over from Gangstar, Wu-Tang, and Queen Latifah to Jay-Z, Outkast, and Eve. The sound became cleaner and more refined, and the world was waking up to hip-hop. My name is Laura Styles, and thank you for listening to Summer Jam Through the Years. On our next episode, we'll be jumping from hip-hop's ascent in 2001 to when hip-hop is becoming dominant in 2012. Special thanks to DJ Enough, Ralph McDaniels, Carl Freed, DJ Bugsy Bugs, my co-host at Eber in the Morning, and Hot 97 in-house reporter Jason Peters. Thank you for listening. 
Place where I was born and raised. New York City. Summer Jam means so much to me. Always going to see all our favorite artists. Everybody on that big Summer Jam stage. You never know what you might see at Summer Jam. At one time. Hot 97 Summer Jam, June 12th. Get your tickets now at hot97.com slash Summer Jam, baby. Do you know a healthcare hero? Someone who fights for better care for their families, their friends, or their community? The New York Alliance for Healthcare Justice wants to honor them and you with a pair of tickets to celebrate the 30th anniversary of Summer Jam at UBS Arena on June 2nd. Visit hot97.com slash NYH Justice to enter to win. Must be 18 or older to enter. Made hot by the New York Alliance for Healthcare Justice.